I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. I don't fit in. I don't want to fit in. Hello and welcome to episode 436 of Under the Cowl of MS. This is normal Tuesday Comics and MS episode. That's a quote from Jughead Jones. We uh, did not get our Mad Manipod out yesterday because it was July 4th, a holiday. And I just didn't, by the time we got done doing stuff, and I would have been able to do it. It would have been in the late afternoon, and I didn't really feel like putting it out then. So I figured, what the heck, skip another week. <laughs> but if you're missing out on stuff and you want some extra Kirby time, some extra videos, there's stuff to keep you entertained. I finally got the Under the Cull of MS YouTube channel up and running and the first couple unpacking videos and first few MS videos are up. So go check those out. Give them a thumbs up if you could. Subscribe. Help me get extra attention. If you can put a review out, that would be really great. Because that gives me even more attention. But, uh, yeah, we got the videos going. We got a lot to learn yet. Like turning the camera the right way. So you don't have a narrow picture. You got a wider picture. So. First few videos are going to be narrow picture because I got the camera upright. And now today I'm going to probably go out and do another video, but I'm going to do it with the uh, cell phone sideways and see what the wider view picture looks like. I just won't be able to stick it in my pocket and walk around with it. Or, or I will do that, and the video will just switch from wide to narrow, back and forth. I do need some way to carry the cell phone easier for better video performance. But I haven't figured that one out yet. I sure as heck don't want to be carrying a selfie stick around. But, if I could get an old selfie stick and manage to cut the handle off, adapt the bar to connect to my walker, then that would be something. It would probably work out pretty good. I could try that. I just don't want to put the camera on the walker when I'm going over bumps. and Because... One of our old uh, Canon cameras, digital cameras we had. I took it one day when I was riding on the lawnmower. Because I wanted to get some pictures of some stuff while I was mowing the lawn. And the vibration from bouncing up and down ended up trashing the screen. It made the picture kind of go off frame and it got stuck in that mode and I could never fix it again after that so I, always, I worry about that now with cell phones so 
I prefer to carry it in my hand or in my pocket than to have it connected to the hand cart, the walker, and possibly ruin it by bouncing up and down. Just started doing the audio video and yawning like crazy. But as soon as I do the walking video with the, the video format, then I don't have the yawn and hiccuping and burping issues. But when I'm doing audio, I do. I do not understand. I wish I want someone to explain that to me if you know what the heck causes that. So maybe I could find a way to stop it. Oh, goody, we got telemarketers coming. I don't know who that is. It's it looks like it might be a local person, but I don't recognize. I recognize part of the name, but not the whole name. So let my grab that one. <laughs> All right, we got a small stack of comics. To, well, not a small stack of comics. We got a good size stack of comics today. See if we can get through them all, or if we're just going to get through part of them. Finish the rest on Thursday if we don't make it. We're starting out with Alice Ever After. Number three by Boom Studios. In this one, Alice and her... I think the Cheshire Cat friend of hers. I can't remember. Can't remember which this character would be, but I think it would be the Cheshire Cat. But you got Dumbledore's catch them in the drug room, partying it up a little bit, and these two jackasses decide to stick them with some extra liquid heroin and get them all wasted, and then they get caught. And the head Madame, which would be the Queen of Hearts, I would assume. She uh, catches the twin Dumbledore's, Dumbledore, Dumbledorf, whatever. You know who they are, the big fat twins from Alice in Wonderland. They're just constantly raping patients and drugging them and doing all kinds of nasty things to them. And the Red Queen character, she doesn't. Really give two shits, but if you affect anything that makes her money, then she gets pissy. So you find out more and more about the little little scam that's going on at this place, and what they're doing to Alice, and what kind of trouble, danger Alice is in, and other people are in, and. The stories, it's a good, it's a good follow-through story of the whole Alice in Wonderland basis and all that, but I just, it's got a little too much dark reality in it. I like the more, <clears throat> more animated, uh, more friendly, more, uh. Oh, how should I say it? More hallucinogenic. 
trippy dippy side of Alice in Wonderland where she goes to get away from the nasty side things in the world. But it's just a little too too real, too deep, too dark for me. This comic and I, I think I'm stopping it. I don't know if I have the fourth one coming. I mean, I I should just follow it out because I think it's only a six-issue run, but it might be going longer than that. But I just can't get into the characters. I mean, I like Alice. I like uh, her little buddy at the Psycho Ward. rest of the good and bad characters, I really don't care for. I mean, they aren't... They aren't pulling me in. And it's like another disappointment from something I enjoy because I enjoy the Alice in Wonderland stories most of the time, but when they get just really deep, dark, intense on the realistic versions, it just bores me, burns me out. And then I checked out the best Archie comic ever, number one. This is not the best Archie comic ever. This is by Archie Comics. It's got a few stories in here. We get a Barbarian Jughead story. We get a Pure Heart story. We get a Betty Veronica story. And then some extras. Pinups and stuff like that. I would have to say the Barbarian Jughead story is probably my favorite story out of three, but still didn't really grab me like I hoped. I was expecting a lot more from this. I mean, Jughead gets his dream burger in the end, but... (laughs) but I expected these to be a lot more fun. I mean... The pure heart story I expected to be way better than it was. I just it's kind of disappointed in that. It was alright. I but not not wonderful. Not something I want to go back and reread anytime soon. But one that I am enjoying and will will definitely reread. A variety of times is Elvira in Horrorland. We got number two here in this one. I'll read the synopsis first. But it turns out that movies create their own little pocket dimensions. Did you know that? I bet you always suspected it. Anyways, Elvira is stuck inside those dimensions. And the only way to get home is a magical artifact, the remote control of Federico Fellini. But she hasn't figured out how it works. And in every new dimension, she has to find it all over again. Last time, she got chased around by a total psycho. This time, her hopes for escape aren't exactly shining bright, (laughs) says David Avalon who did this story. And this is Elvira in Horrorland, Chapter 2. 
She's a Kubrick house. Uh, we get a really fun and enjoyable play on the shining where Elvira falls into the original shining movie. I personally think the new shining movie with, uh, the character from the wings TV show was an excellent remake. I kind of, I'm really not sure which one I like better. I mean, this, the Jack one is the original and it has the classic stuff. So you gotta, gotta go for that. But they did a great job with that remake. I thought in my opinion, uh, but yeah, you get basically Elvira stuck in this, the shining story. And it was a blast. I mean, where it ends and where it's taking us into our next story, I don't think is what the next story is supposed to be. But if it is, that's awesome too. But I thought the third one was going to be a play on Nightmare on Elm Street because of all those covers, I thought those were number three covers. But it could have been number four or number five. But Elvira and Horland, every issue is another play on Elvira being stuck in an old 70s, 80s, 90s horror film. Classic ones that that we hear about all the time. It's got to be definitely one of my top two Elvira comic book runs so far. I mean, I'm going to say top three because I got to put Elvira Vincent Price in there. I love that run. Got some weird hard plastic thing in my comic page here. I'm trying to get out while I can still see it. And then next up, we got Fuck This Place, issue two. Or if you can't stand the language, you can get I Hate This Place, issue two cover. But I went with the Fuck This Place covers. And we're learning a little bit more about the girls, the female couple, one of which inherited this property, and you're seeing them off trying to get some, well, they run into a tarot reader, they go stop in and get their tarot cards read, and some things happen, and they do some shopping and stuff, and they just so happen to get back home a little late when they're headed home. And when they get there, it so happens that one of the gentlemen that are working on the place just so happens to be still there. And he's supposed to be gone before dark because the demons come out. The walking dead comes out. We don't even know what we're really dealing with yet. I mean, whatever this entity is. So there's a few construction workers, one that's kind of playing around, checking out the woods. He has some, he's not who he's supposed to be, apparently, and 
he knows something that the girls don't know. And he's trying to find it. And it apparently must be out in the woods. And while all that's happening, the other workers are off searching for the guy. You got to read the story to find out what's happening, but it's it's a very interesting look at someone who inherits a haunted house with all kinds of issues, and it kind of, if you take care of the house, you kind of become part of that pact for life. You're stuck with this house and its horrors for the rest of your life. Like this girl's aunt was, I believe. It was her aunt or something like that. But yeah, I like... It's a fun, interesting, different look at that horror genre. I'm going to stick with it for now. It sounds like the... Uh, this was it Kyle Starks, I think it was. That was talking about it on one on the comic book counseling podcast is saying that it can go on as forever if they let it, but um, it's originally set up for like a 12 or 15 issue run, I think you said, but it is, it's definitely worth a good 12 issues, but I don't know. We'll see. I'll keep reading it. Hopefully, if we hit a turn that bores me, then I'll jump off it. But for right now, I'll stick with that storyline, I'm pretty sure. And then we got Gilbert, The Island of Orange Turtles by Art Baltazar. This is the fourth issue in a trade paperback run. The fourth trade paperback. Gilbert, the young merman prince and his friends, the telekinetic amphibian and Sherbert, the orange turtle, journey to the island of orange turtles to meet Sherbert's turtle family. But something funny is going on, and not funny ha-ha, although there is a lot, is lots of funny ha-ha stuff going on too. Is it possible they're being followed? If so, why? And would it have anything to do with them discovering that Sherbert is one of the rarest of the orange turtles? Orange with orange spots, all the way orange. But all of the speculating is rendered moot when a strange shark beast and a mysterious seaweed creature shows up on the island. Who are these guys? What are their intentions? Are they friends or foes? Perhaps the island of orange turtles may give us, as well as Gilbert, Sherbert, and Anne, the answers or some unexpected surprises. Cowabunga! Hey, you can't say cowabunga. <laughs> That's not the turtles we're talking about. But yeah, Gilbert is the latest comics creation from super-famous, best-selling, and award-winning cartoonist Art Baltazar. 
Art is known for being the creative force behind Itty Bitty Hellboy, Young Justice, Tiny Titans, Superman of Smallville, and more. He's also the co-creator of the Oh Yeah comic series Action Cat and Adventure Bug. And yeah, artbaltdesire.com. Find all kinds of wonderful material. But yeah, this is basically what that story just told you. I don't really have to tell you anything else. But you will see a lot of cool turtles. Different types of turtles. Or they're all orange, but they all have different spots and stuff. Uh, we get also some of the character from the weird monster castle where they experiment on creatures. And... But this is a lot of fun. Uh, this is my favorite one of the four so far. And of course, I got Art Baltazar signed it and drew an extra little turtle in the book for me. So that was cool. But. Yeah, I love the whole Gilbert run. If I had kids, I would have the entire Oh Yeah comics run and just put it all in into a nighttime reading setup. And that would be the bedtime stories every night. We'd be reading something from the Oh Yeah comics crew. It'd be a great way to introduce kids to comic books, starting them out with all age family friendly ones. These are not family friendly ones. This is Gunslinger Spawn number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Here, Gunslinger Spawn, She Spawn. Hook up with a weapons cache, get set up, change into their trans, transform into their demonic beings. This after after we get a little bit more of a gunslinger story from the past, his history. And then we see them linking up with. Spawn, Al Simmons, and we kind of get a gist on what their plan is, what each character's plan is, and whether or not they can trust each other. They all know there's some things going on. Spawn's got his little plan that he's going to screw people over. you got to wait for that to happen, which I hope he doesn't i hope he changes it up and ends up working with spawn and just like spawn get the stupid crown as we see him battling with in king spawn which we have king spawn number 11 from image comics and it's just it's more and more play on the whole Spawn not wanting the crown, but people wanting Spawn to take the crown, or they're going to take it. And you get to see what happens when other people make attempts towards the throne and to kind of somehow take out Al 
take out spawn. Uh, I think if they, I think there's characters that destroy feel if they destroy spawn that they will still open up all the gates of hell, the four corners of hell or whatever on earth, and all the demons can run free and wild and just do whatever. I'm not sure what happened to the kid that was pushing for Al to wear the crown. He wasn't in this issue. Which basically I look at the kid as a young Al Simmons. Is what it, the feel is that I get from him. But that, that storyline, I'm gunslinger I'm still happy with and enjoying. I want the clown back. I wish the Violator clown would have got his own run. Uh, the King Spawn run, though, I'm pretty much burnt out on. I'll, I think I'm going up to issue 13 and then I'm done with that. Uh, but I'll stick with Gunslinger Spawn and probably the original Spawn. Don't know about Scorched and all those. They're coming out with, uh, I think... They're going to come out with more Hell Spawn runs. You got the Meta Evil Spawn, and all, you got Sam and Twitch making appearances now, the cops. So they were always, they were big enough characters in the Spawn universe that they had their own comics back in the day, too. So interesting to see what those characters are up to with this whole opening of the Hellgates thing. But, read whichever runs you want. I was just hoping that they were going to make the side issue runs no more than six comics a piece, and they're just going on and on with all these. Going a little further than it should, but, oh well. I enjoy Spawn, for the most part. Next up is Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number two. This is probably, this is definitely my least favorite one so far <laughs> of the first two. A couple stories are right, but not huge pull-in, grabber type stories. Mercenary Mark Spector died and was reborn in the shadow of Khonshu the Egyptian god of the moon. Spectre became Moon Knight, the first of Khonshu, to fight evil and protect those who travel at night. Across the past, present, and future, Moon Knight has gone through many phases, but his quest for justice never wanes. The first story is kind of a military flashback, story with a scarab that's representing something that he that Mark Spector is searching for to help him try and get away from this try and release this full moon this full moon this this moon night character and just be left alone it's called the empty tomb he just wants Wants his own 
life back, which from what I know, his own life isn't that great. It's got all the multiple personalities to start with, so he's going to have issues no matter what. So why not have the the Moon Knight character as one of your personalities? We get a Mr. Knight story where he ends up dealing with some werewolf, well, not werewolf, more like a rat, sewer rat style character. And he, him and his, some of his personalities end up dealing with these demons along the way, uh, mass murder and stuff like that. We get a play on the, on Moon Knight with a glider like a Green Goblin, a glider style piece of equipment. And surprisingly, and I suppose it's not that surprisingly, but we get a little jogger knot interference in this storyline. It was called Open 24 Hours. Hard Days Night. Basically a story with Moon Knight discussing everything with some of his multiple personalities in a diner. And you're learning more about him. Then we get this military one with this psycho badass with this big old moth flower or butterfly type tattoo oops i didn't see the timer so i got cut off a little bit talking about my disappointment with moon knight sure i got the gist of it so <laughs> that's all we need anyways uh don't need to hear me ranting on and on about it now let's get to the health portion of the show See if we got anything interesting to talk about. Uh, power naps. Something I could never do. I wish I could, but I can just, I can be dead tired and falling asleep, sitting up, standing up, but I just can't do a power nap. If I take a little nap, I'm done for the day. Uh, They say a good nap allows for recovery of brain function, memory consolidation, the riding of toxins or the ridding of toxins that build up throughout the day and a burst of energy, says this doctor. He's a medical director at Choice Physician Sleep Center in South Florida. In sleep-deprived people, research suggests naps increase alertness, work performance, and learning ability. Other research finds power naps can even help to boost immune function. If you have insomnia, you shouldn't nap. But ways... Ways that you should know that you should nap are 
productivity starts to wane. You can't process information as quickly as you could in the AM and regularly daydream or feel like there's a fog you can't work through. And it's always all day long. I'd have to sleep all day. But not everyone needs to nap. For one, people with insomnia shouldn't nap. If you have insomnia, daytime naps can wind up making you feel like you don't need to sleep as much at night, potentially worsening your condition. So that's not a good thing. Uh, More than one third of Americans don't get the recommended amount of seven hours of sleep a night. So you might not be sleeping as well as you think. Like me, it's three hours of sleep, get up, deal with the cat for a couple hours, go back to sleep for a few hours, three, four hours, and then get up, using the CPAP again, just to try and get a 30-day uh, recording in the system before I go see the pulmonologist, my new new sleep disorder doctor which i think that's coming up in august here next month so i should have a good 30 some days 30 to 40 30 to 45 days in the system for them and they can hopefully get a reading off that we can do some adjustments to the machine or whatever and hopefully get the mask that i prefer to have But we'll have to wait and see till that appointment and see what they come up with. See if this character can actually give me some answers and listen to my questions. Unlike the person that originally set me up on this supposed MS neurologist and sleep apnea specialist and psychiatrist. Just didn't do much for me. Never got any answers. Just kept putting me on more things. Standard doctor issues. Uh, How does... Oh, no. Tips for the ideal power nap. Create the perfect nap zone. The room should be dark, cool, and quiet. Wear a sleep mask if you have one. Take off extra layers. Consider a white noise app. Turn off your phone. Uh, Time it right between 1 and 3 p.m. Or for night owls, between 5 and 6 p.m. An hour or two before an important event or demanding task. So yeah, then I'd wake up and I'd be all tired looking and have imprints on the side of my face. And I'd have to go to do a meeting and it's like, I don't think so. But like they say, for some people it works. Consider caffeine. Have a stimulant right before you nap. Allows you to wake up with added alertness. You would think it would make it harder for you to sleep. But, okay. 
for shift workers nap routinely. Work in naps to help make them more regular. Naps can help you reboot your body and brain and log in more shut-eye. Yeah. Basically, to perfect the power nap, you have to perfect your timing. An often cited 1995 study by NASA found that 26, that a 26-minute nap was the sweet spot for a nap. Improving alertness by 54% and performance by 34%. However, experts tend to agree that anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes is enough to reap benefits without leaving you feeling groggy when you wake up. And don't forget to set an alarm so you don't go beyond that window. That's probably my problem. I never really shot for that window or I just slept and then as soon as I woke up it's like I better get my ass up and then I was just dragging ass the rest of the day let's see the reason nap length matters a normal cycle starts with lighter stages of sleep called non-rapid eye movement NREM sleep and eventually hits a much deeper stage of sleep called REM sleep REM sleep and uh if you have a, oh, what we call it, stupid fitness watch, Fitbit style device, uh, some of them, like mine, the one I had, will tell you how much REM sleep you're getting and how much other types of sleep you're getting, how often you're waking at night and all that stuff. And you can also get some of those readings from your CPAP machine if you have one. But, but yeah, make your environment right and shoot for the right time of day and only for about 20 to 30 minutes at a crack. And surprisingly, try some caffeine just before you crash out just to help benefit with boosting your, your system when you do wake up, but. Yeah, not sure how well those things would work out for me. I should try them once. I don't have a damn digital clock on my side of the bed. So I got to like sit up and look over the wife to try and get to, to try and see what time it is in the middle of the night. So by then I wake up the cat and the cat's like, yeah, time to get up. Let's go play. And I want to go back to sleep, which is hard to do once you wake them. But yeah, I got to get a little, I'm trying to find a nice small digital alarm clock that I can put on my side of the bed. I know I have a backup one somewhere, but. I just don't know where it is with everything still being in storage for over five years. Can't figure out where anything is. That's kind of hard. But it's rummage season and I'm keeping an eye out for a tiny little alarm clock. Find those for like 50 cents to a dollar, the old ones, surprisingly. 
nowadays and all that old shit, that stuff lasts forever. It doesn't. Takes a licking and keeps on working. <laughs> keeps on kicking. Uh, pizza. How healthy is it? Everybody love. Most people. Everybody. Most people love. Love a good pizza. Basically, there's many types of of pizza, particularly frozen and fast food varieties, which tend to be high in calories, fat, and sodium. More processed varieties may contain unhealthy ingredients such as colorings, added sugar, and preservatives. Uh, Personally, we were making our pizzas. It's like they say a large slice of Pizza Hut pepperoni lovers. Pizza provides 460 calories and 26 grams of fat, 37 grams of carbs, one gram of sugar, and 900 milligrams of sodium, which is 38% of your recommended daily intake. And that's just one large slice of their pizza. Now, I don't know what they're using, but when I was making, trying to get our frozen pizza line out there, which sadly we didn't, you all missed out. It was awesome pizza, awesome pizza base. It's just, Jesus. The food and liquor industry is so hard to get stuff produced. To go state by state. And it's easy to do it locally. But once you start crossing those borders. Even though you're all one country. Every state has so many different regulations. That it just gets stupid. I mean they regulate the amount of toppings. that The amount of weight of each topping that you can put on it's just it's why pizzas all look so similar and you get them home and you have to add ingredients and cheese to them to make them better (laughs) if you're like us but when we made ours I mean other than the the canned sauce and the crust everything every other ingredient i used was a little moisture mozzarella cheese which isn't bad for you i used the sausage the vegetables the pepperoni and stuff i don't think any of that was really that bad for you pepperoni probably a little worse than sausage but other than that we weren't doing nothing weird to our our food and our pizzas with any any things like they were talking with colorings and stuff like that. It's, and it's hard to tell or describe what ingredients we use since I did use two different cans of 
sauces and then a pre-made crust. So I didn't control what was going in those. But everything else we used was healthy, farm-raised, organic, stuff like that, natural or frozen vegetables. But they didn't have any extra things on them. At least not the ones I was using. It's like all the th certain types of pizzas are unhealthy. Other less processed types can be nutritious. Like I was trying to explain. It's like. I don't know how you can go overly unhealthy. I mean, I, I know how you can go overly unhealthy. I mean, some of these sauces can have a lot of sugar and stuff in them. Probably corn syrups. All the crap you don't want. But even making your own homemade sauce is not that hard. It's I ended up having to go that route in the end because I had two sauces I liked that I put together and then added some other ingredients to and just it was perfect. And then one of the companies went out of business. And so without having those that same style sauces to mix together and add what I needed to get them the way I wanted them. I was better off just making my own sauce and that's basically what I went towards, but then it just got so hard with the regulations trying to get set up for shipping our product around the United States. So. We ended up giving up on it. I couldn't afford to rent the, another building to do pizzas out of. And just, it was just easier to stick with the daily fresh foods, serving dinners and lunches, and not focusing on our own food lines, which I really would have liked to have got out there. It's never happened. I'm sure you don't want to hear me going on and on about this. I'll probably run out of time again and get cut off. Because I'm not paying attention. I'm just babbling on. But. Basically like all foods. More processed types of pizza are often higher in unhealthy ingredients. Than those made from scratch. Frozen and fast food pizza can contain ingredients like preservatives, colorings, unhealthy fats. However, all pizzas, no matter how they're prepared, are typically made using refined, refined wheat flour. This type of flour is low in fiber and therefore less filling than whole grain flours. So eating refined grain products such as ready-made meals like pizza has been linked to weight gain. They have so much stuff out there now. You have cauliflower crust. You have chickpea crust. They make all the products out of vegetables and healthier formats. So you do have those options. And they don't taste that different. They're, you can make them just as good if not better by adding your own other certain ingredients to it 
whatever sauces you use and cheeses you use it you can make a pretty decent healthier healthy enough style pizza that would work for a meal just as good as making a fancy four or five course meal with all organic fancy items it's like either way you're you can make anything edible to the point of healthiness that you can accept if you just work with it uh, some pizzas contain added sugar in the crust in certain toppings and sauces uh, they say one serving one quarter pizza of red bear and barbecue chicken pizza contains a whopping 21 grams four teaspoons of sugar doesn't seem like much but it adds up quick and if you're regularly eating these things you're gonna end up with obesity and heart disease issues probably uh, traditional style pizza is a relatively simple food made with flour yeast water salt oil tomato sauce and fresh cheese pizza made from scratch using those limited ingredients can be quite healthy when making homemade pizza the nutrient dense or nutrient content can be boosted by adding nutrient dense toppings like vegetables or healthy protein sources like grilled chicken and you can do a barbecue chicken style pizza that just has certain type of barbecue sauce which could be more sugary uh you gotta watch out for that but other than that just your chicken chunks your cheese your sweet red pepper or red onion and that's all you need on it and nice and simple i like doing the spinach chicken pizza use like an alfredo style sauce with the mozzarella cheese and spinach and chunk chicken that one's decent and there's lots of good recipes you can make using chicken instead of pepperoni and stuff though many types of pizza are high in calories sodium and carbs those prepared at home or in a pizzeria can be made healthier by adding nutrient dense toppings or choosing whole grain crust and even the big pizza places are offering other types of crust nowadays okay they say it's best to limit consumption to no more than a few times per month there's many ways to boost the nutrition content of your pizza choosing whole grain crust, adding vegetables, and practicing portion control. There are just a few ways to make it healthier. I personally like a veggie pizza. And it's not that hard to make it good with the hearty vegetables you enjoy. and It tastes just as good. 
they say use whole ingredients, practice portion control, pile on the veggies, avoid processed meats, like pepperoni and bacon for things like grilled chicken. Uh, go for the whole grain crust. Choose sauces with no added sugar. Avoid high, higher calorie options of your crust and stuff like that. Cut smaller slices of pizza. I like cut mine in squares personally instead of the triangles. Try different recipes. Try, there's using cauliflower, quinoa, mushrooms. And there's all kinds of different recipes you can come up with if you try and search for certain things. Uh, we got a few minutes left to talk about boosting our coffees with some vitamins and antioxidants. You can sprinkle a little cinnamon on your coffee. For your heart, which is beneficial for your heart. Stir in a half a teaspoon of cinnamon into your cup of coffee. Or brew your coffee with one teaspoon of cinnamon mixed right into the grounds. They say look for silene, Cylon, C-E-Y-L-O-N cinnamon. Also known as true cinnamon. It's safer to consume often compared to cassia cassia which has a higher amount of the plant compound comarin which is considered unsafe to consume in large amounts uh, ginger can help with things like nausea muscle pain digestion can add it directly to your coffee up to a teaspoon per cup or ditch the calorie and sugar laden coffee shop version and make a healthy pumpkin spice latte at home. Yuck. Uh, if you got leftover fresh ginger sitting in your fridge from stir fry night, finely grate it using a microplane and freeze it in individual teaspoon servings ready to Stir into your java. Uh, every time I get ginger, I'll use it for what I need to. And then the rest of it, I'll either slice or grind and throw in the freezer so I can use it at a later time. Because ginger will not sit long in your fridge before it starts molding. Uh, mushrooms are a good pick me up for your coffee there's a popular mushroom coffee brand called four sigmatic that tells us that drinking mushroom coffee is beneficial for our body filled with superfoods and only half the caffeine you also skip the jitters the stomach issues and post caffeine crush crash that normal coffee gives most people they say not all mushroom coffee is created equal. Looking for more energy? Try cordyceps mushrooms. 
for stress and sleep aid. Reach for a reishi mushroom. I know lion's mane is beneficial. It's a bunch of different mushrooms that are beneficial to people with MS. You can buy mushroom powders or conveniently packed mushroom coffee. And they even have it in K-cup pods. If you're looking for it and can't find it. Turmeric. A couple couple turmeric with healthy fats in a four-ingredient coconut-infused awakening coffee. To boost the health benefits of turmeric, pair it with a pinch of black pepper. Pepper improves the turmeric's bioavailability, making the spice more effective in smaller doses. You can use maca for maca's optimal optimal health benefits. One to three teaspoons per day is recommended. Try making this superfood coffee in addition to maca powder. It has four other superfoods from the list. Prolong the shelf life of your maca powder. Store it in the fridge. And cacao can help you with help you since it's an antidepressive. The world's healthiest mocha anyone. Stir one tablespoon of raw cacao into your cup of coffee. For a boost of dietary fiber, antioxidants, and magnesium. Look for organic raw cocoa to get the most benefits. And learn the difference between raw cocoa and cocoa powder. I did want to look up this one. Superfood coffee. See if I can see what's all in it. Since they said it had a variety of the items from that we just talked about. But all I'm coming up with these stupid pictures. Give me the recipe. Basically, the ingredients are a tablespoon raw cacao powder, a teaspoon raw maca powder, a quarter teaspoon of ground turmeric, a quarter teaspoon of ground cinnamon, an eighth teaspoon ground ginger, a pinch of black pepper, a pinch of cayenne pepper, optional, one cup fresh hot coffee, a half teaspoon vanilla extract, natural sweetener of your choice, like raw coconut sugar, nasty stevia, pure maple syrup, and splash any dairy-free milk, unsweetened vanilla, almond milk is a good one. And then you got one cup of fresh coffee in a coffee mug. Combine the cacao, maca, turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, black pepper, and cayenne pepper. Mix well, pour hot coffee over, and stir until combined. Add in the vanilla, the sweetener, the dairy-free milk of choice, and stir. And enjoy. May have to try that one once. See if it gives me any extra energy, but I'm out of time, so be good to yourself, good to everybody else. Rate, review, tell a friend, subscribe, and we'll get back to you again soon. So behave, and we'll talk to you again probably tomorrow. Bye.